Thank you, ladies. If you would take your Bible and open to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians as we continue our summer series called But God. 1 Corinthians and the first chapter is where we will be uh, today. While you're opening to that, let me just remind you of um, the most uh, near announcement. If you are being baptized on the 21st after the service, we'll be meeting up in the first room on this side to uh, help prepare you. And if God's been working on your heart to take a step of baptism and proclaim your faith, uh, feel free to join us. And uh, we'll include you in that baptism service. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the truth that we have just been reminded of. You will never fail your people. Father, you've chosen us. You've called us. You've drawn us to yourself. We've placed your, our faith in you. And, and you saved us by the work of Jesus. His death and resurrection. Father, you live in us by your Holy Spirit. You will not fail us. You're our Father. You've made promises. And we thank you. Father, guide us as we uh, look at this passage today. I pray that it will encourage us. I pray that it will uh, speak to our hearts, Lord. And, Lord, that it would even humble us. In Jesus' name, amen. Did anyone find themselves this week using the word wow? I uh, can identify four times when I used the word wow this week. On Monday, after taking a sauna, I went into the lake and it felt so good that right there in the water, I said wow. Um, my brother-in-law and I were carrying a door on Monday that was extremely heavy. It surprised us how heavy it was. And as we're struggling, the two of us, to carry it, we both said, wow. I was watching highlights of one of the Twins games this week, and I saw a, a diving catch that an outfielder made. And sitting there with my computer, I said, wow because of what an amazing catch it was. And then on Thursday, I was sitting in my office, and I read our passage for today, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 26 to the end of the chapter. And I noticed in this passage, and you'll see it when I read it, that the Apostle Paul uses the word chose, and he uses the word call. And I was reminded that as a believer, as a follower of Christ, God chose me, and he called me to himself. And that got me thinking about other places that use that idea, that talk about God choosing people and then calling them, drawing them to himself for salvation. And so I started looking at some of them. And it's all over the place. And this is what I found. In Colossians 3.12, believers are referred to as God's chosen people. In Mark 13.20, Jesus refers 
to those who follow him as the elect whom he has chosen. In Romans 8.33, believers are called those whom God has chosen. In Ephesians 1.4, Paul says to the Christians, he chose us before the creation of the world. In 1 Thessalonians 1.4, Paul says to the Christians in that church, he has chosen you. In 1 Peter 1, the first two verses, Peter calls the believers God's elect who have been chosen. In Revelation 17.14, John talks about God's called, chosen, and faithful followers. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13 and 14, the believers are called chosen and called. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter says to the Christians, you are chosen people called out of darkness. In Romans 8, 29 and 30, Paul talks to the believers there about being predestined and called. In 1 Corinthians 1, 2 and 9, Paul says that we are called to be his holy people, called into fellowship with his son. Are you getting tired yet? In Ephesians 4, 4, Paul says to the believers, you were called to one hope when you were called. And in Jude 1, 1, Jude says, as he's referring to believers, they are those who have been called. And when I got done with that, I put my Bible down and I said, wow. And this is just a sampling. This idea of God choosing and then calling those he chooses to salvation. Wow. And that's what our passage today talks about. But first I want to ask you two questions to just get them out and have you think about them before we see the passage. First of all, Those of you who are believers, followers of Jesus Christ, do you remember when you were called to salvation? In John chapter 6, Jesus says, No one comes to him unless they are drawn by the Father. Unless the Father draws them, calls them. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, do you remember when God called you to salvation? When he drew you, do you remember the people he may have used? Do you remember the situation? Do you remember what was happening in your life? Do you remember over time, as you look back now, how God was drawing you, calling you to salvation? Until that day, you responded and surrendered, and he saved you. Do you remember that calling, that drawing? If you're not a believer... If you're not a follower of Christ, you don't have that kind of relationship with him. Could it be that God has been drawing you to himself, to his salvation? Things have been going on in your life recently. It seems like everywhere you turn, there are Christian people. Everywhere you turn, there are people who are loving you and talking about Jesus. Have you been having experiences where you are hearing uh, truth about Jesus here and then you go here and you, you hear truth about Jesus there and, and every time you read something, there it is and you're starting to have these thoughts that there might be something to this. This is something I don't have. If, if you're having that experience, God is drawing you. He's calling you to a salvation. Now, with all that, I'd like to read this passage. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, 26 to 31. 
Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God, there it is, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Our but God principle that we want to consider today from this passage is there on your sheet. I hope you're saving all these but God principles that we're looking at. Here is today's. In this world, relatively few people possess great human wisdom, strength, ability, prestige, wealth, or position. But God doesn't call us to salvation in Christ based on those things. He calls us by his sovereign, gracious, and loving choice, so that all the glory will go to him. That's the but God principle that I draw from this passage. Let's go through the passage. Paul starts out, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Brothers and sisters, I think we should do that for a few moments. Paul says, think of what you were when you were called. Can you think back? Think about what you were, who you were, when God called you, when he drew you to his salvation. You want to see some of the things the Corinthians would have thought about? If they would have done what he said here, take a look at chapter 6. Chapter 6, starting in verse 9. He says, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11. He says to the Corinthian Christians, And that is what some of you were. But you were washed. He goes on to say, But you were saved. You were changed. He says, After going through that list, that is what some of you were. So, back to chapter 1. When Paul says to the Corinthian Christians, 
Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Some of them would be sitting there when they heard that read and that list, something on that list is what they would have thought of. Some of them were thieves and swindlers when they were drawn to Christ and called by him. Some of them were drunkards when they were drawn to Christ and called to him for salvation. Some were sexually immoral when they were called. That whole list represented what some of the people in this church were. And so when when Paul says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called, that's what they were thinking of. What do you think of when you think about what you were and who you were when you were called and drawn to God for salvation? He goes on and he says, not many of you back then were wise by human standards. Now, he says not many. Okay. So that means that some of them might have been wise by human standards. But he says not many of you were wise by human standards. What would those human standards be? I don't know what they would have been back then. Uh, nowadays, people consider you wise if you got the credentials, uh, if you got the education, and if you got the education in the right place, or if you've been reading the right books. But he says not many of you were wise by human standards. He says, not many of you were influential. Now, the word there that appears in the Greek is the word for power. So uh, Paul is talking more about having a kind of power that influences people. Um, You know, whatever kind of power that might be. It could even be wealth, the power of wealth. But it's the idea of having the power to influence people. And he says to the Corinthians, not many of you, when you think back, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful enough to have great influence. And then he says, not many of you were of noble birth, uh, status, position. Not many of you came from status. Not many of you came from nobility. And then you have the words, but God. But God. And three times, Paul uses the word chose. Okay? Verse 27, but God chose the foolish things. Not only people who are wise by human standards, but God chose the foolish. God chose the weak things of the world. He didn't go after the powerful, influential ones. Mostly the weak things of the world. 28, God chose the lowly things the despised things, the ones that were looked down on, the insignificant people, the average people. 
He chose the lowly things of this world and despised things and the things that are not. I was looking at that this week and I saw me. Little old me. Um, Grew up in a little town of New Folden. Many of you have never heard of it. Grew up in a little town of New Folden. Not of noble birth for sure. My dad was a bus mechanic and a hobby farmer. So we had enough to make do, um, but we didn't have a big fancy house. We didn't have a wiffle ball field in the front yard, just an average yard. Uh, We were average people. I don't think by the time I was 11 years old, when God called me and drew me to salvation, I don't think I had influenced anyone beyond our little town. And so when he says to these people, God didn't go out there looking for the wise by human standards. He didn't go out there looking for the the powerful and the strong who influenced many people. He didn't go out there looking for those of noble birth and status and position to draw them to salvation. He went looking for people like me and people like you, because I would guess most of you find that describing you as well. Now, certainly God has drawn and saved wise people by human standards. Certainly, he has drawn and saved people who were very influential and powerful. We hear testimonies about that. Certainly, God has drawn people to himself for salvation who even have noble birth and position and status. But Paul is saying not many. Not many. God has chosen others. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, Paul tells us. He says that he chose the foolish. And the strong to shame them. You see that? To shame them. Why? Well, to shame means to embarrass. It means to humiliate. I think the idea here is God chose these average people to shame the wise and strong. To show them that what they have counted on, what they lean on, can never Bring them what is the most important thing in the world. A relationship with their God. Salvation. Eternal life. Hope beyond the grave. It's like God often has chosen the average insignificant people in order to show those folks 
that all that they count on, their wisdom, their strength, their influence, their position, their status, will not get them, will not earn them salvation and real meaning in life. I suggest that's what it means by shaming them. It nullifies what they have counted on, what they have placed all their focus on. It nullifies it. It diminishes it. He also chooses these kind of people to eliminate personal boasting. The last couple verses, Paul says, uh, verse 28, God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him you're in Christ Jesus, not your wisdom, not your power and influence, not your status and your position. It's because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. And it's Jesus who becomes for us wisdom from God. And it's Jesus who helps make us right with God, righteous before him. And it's Jesus who makes us holy, sets us apart to live for God. And it's Jesus who gives redemption, freedom from sin's control. It's not our wisdom. It's not our strength. It's not our influence. It's not our noble birth. It's not our status. It's not our position. It's not our wealth. Therefore, verse 31, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. To boast is to rejoice. To boast is to celebrate. As it is written, where was it written? You probably have a little notation in your Bible. He's quoting Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 9. Which says, verse 23, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me that I am the Lord. You could read it this way. Let not the wise celebrate their wisdom. Or the strong celebrate their strength. Or the rich celebrate their riches. But let the one who celebrates celebrate this. That they have the understanding to know me. That I am the Lord. And Paul says to these believers, think about what you were before you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you had the power to be greatly influential. Not many of you were of noble birth, status, position. But God chose the foolish, the ordinary, the average. God chose the weak, 
ones who didn't have much influence or strength. God chose those who were lowly, of little significance in this world. To shame the wise, the strong, the noble. To show them that they cannot earn God's salvation by those things. What they count on will not bring them to what they need. And God did this so that all celebrating, all rejoicing, all glory goes to him. Paul said it this way to the Ephesians. It's by grace, through faith, that we're saved. It's not by our works. It's nothing we have done. It's not our wisdom, our strength, our influence, our status, our position, our wealth. It's not that. Lest anyone what? Boast. It's God's doing. He chooses. There's no doubt. If you say he doesn't, you're skipping a lot of scripture that says he does. God chooses. And then he goes about calling and drawing those people to himself. And when they surrender and respond, he saves. By his sovereign choice and love and grace. There was actually a fifth wow this week for me in my office again. I was looking at this commentary by William Barclay on this passage. I want to read something he said. He says, It was the glory of Christianity that it made people who were viewed as things into real men and women, nay, more, into sons and daughters of God. Christianity gave those who had no respect their self-respect. It gave those who had no life, life eternal. It told people that even if they did not matter to men, they still mattered intensely to God. It told people who in the eyes of the world were worthless, that in the eyes of God they were worth the death of God's only Son. Christianity was and still is literally the most uplifting thing in the whole universe. And after reading that, I said for the fifth time this week, wow, I'm one of those. Chosen and called, and as I surrendered to Jesus, saved by his grace. I'd like you to go back to those first two questions at the top of your study sheet. The first one, do you remember when you were called to salvation? Do you remember what you were? Do you remember who you were? Do you remember what you were into? Do you remember your situation? Do you remember what was going on in your life? When God called you, when he drew you to salvation, 
as we remember those things, it seems logical to me that we would humbly be grateful. Because we were those things. That's who we were. But God. But God. Chose us, called us, saved us by His grace. The second question was, does it feel now like you are being drawn? You are being called to salvation. Again, I ask, has, has there been something going on in your life recently where you don't know what it is, you, you don't know what's going on, but you, you sense something's happening in your life because of certain people and situations and things you've read and things you've heard? You're starting to think about God. You're starting to think about Jesus and 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 His salvation. That's God calling you. That's God drawing you. You might be well to just surrender and respond to that call because it's very possible you've been chosen for salvation. Not because of who you are, not because of your situation, not because your skill, what you can do, where you come from, but because God is drawing you. Today would be a good time to surrender for salvation. The but God principle in this world Relatively few people possess great human wisdom, strength, ability, prestige, wealth, or position. But God doesn't call us to salvation in Christ based on those things. He calls us by His sovereign, gracious, and loving choice. So that all the glory will go to Him. Wow. Let's pray. Father, those of us who know what it's like to be called by you and drawn by you to your salvation, thank you for doing that, whatever it took, whoever you used, whatever the situations were, thank you for drawing us to your salvation. Thank you, Father. For that time when we repented of our sin and placed our faith in Jesus, that you saved us, you forgave us, you saved us, you made us your children. You started changing us. Thank you. And all the glory goes to you, Father. And may I and my brothers and sisters here never forget that. To always give you the glory for our salvation. For your choice, your calling, your saving. Father, I pray for anyone here who is sensing something going on in their life. Lord, now that they know that maybe it's you drawing them, calling them to salvation, I ask that they will respond. That they will place their faith in Jesus. That they would seek your forgiveness and trust you. 
for their salvation. Father, we celebrate our salvation because it's your doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you please pray?